Again, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, for your word this morning, that it is alive and powerful and active in our lives, and it is producing an abundant harvest of righteousness within us, and it is causing us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, Father, we yield to your word this morning. We just ask, Father, that our hearts would be open and receptive, that we would receive your word with gladness. And Father, as I bring this word, I pray that you would remove from my mind the things that are not necessary this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Two weeks till Christmas. Who's ready for Christmas? Right? Baden's not? No. Well, yeah. For some of us, we don't get ready for Christmas till the 24th. At lunchtime. And then we realize, oh shoot, the stores are closing in four hours. And then it's panic. Yeah, exactly. It is easier to shop for people when there's only a few things on the shelf. But we're in the middle of what we call the Advent season, right? And for many, Advent is a time of preparation. It's when you start shopping. You start planning meals and gatherings. You get the sleds and the toys ready and the ice rinks so when the cousins come over, you got something to do. You let go of your diets and workouts for a month, and then you talk about your New Year's resolutions instead. No, that's not really what Advent is all about. Advent, for some, is recalibrating, if you would. It's like, oh, it's Christmas time. I have to go back to church again soon. I have to get my heart right because, well, it's the Lord's birthday, and so I should be in some form of right standing to celebrate his birthday, right? Same thing at Easter time, Lent, right? 40 days of fasting and self-denial in order to be good enough to celebrate Easter. There's a few other preparation times throughout the year. It's called Saturday. Yeah, we get 52 of those every year where we can prepare ourselves to gather with the saints together and worship, right? And to minister to one another. And then there's the one that we should all be very, very aware of, and it's called mourning. We get one of those every day. It's between your waking and your working. And it's time that we prepare ourselves not to meet God, but rather to meet the world. So that we can take Holy Spirit with us into the world. Now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't mean He's not always with us. We're just not aware of His presence always. We're not always tapped in to His plan for the day. We haven't activated his power in our lives for that day. When the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness, God said, 
take manna for today. Don't try and live off yesterday's manna because by the time tomorrow comes, it'll be bad. It's spoiled overnight. So every day was new manna. That's a lesson for us. Every day we need to refresh and recalibrate. And the best time to do that, in my opinion, is before anything else bombards your mind. Right? Get in the Word first. Get in the Spirit first. Get calibrated first with Holy Ghost before the world starts pulling you in all the different directions, before I have the responsibility of work, before I have to make lunch for the kids, before I have to go to school. That's our Advent preparation. <clears throat> but Advent is a lot more than just preparing for the coming of the Lord. It's reflecting on what he's already done. Right? And it's a season of anticipation, actually, and expectation. We're not expecting the first Christmas because Christmas doesn't end, right? It's a season that we go through every year, but Christmas doesn't end. Every year, we're a step closer to the return of Christ, and that's what Advent is all about. It's expecting what God is doing next. Right? We don't just live on Bethlehem and the shepherds and the visit of the wise men. We live on what's God doing now. And we need to prepare ourselves and we need to be ready for what God is doing now. It's a season of expectation. Christmas represents promise. It represents new beginnings. In the first beginning, Adam and Eve walked with God. They talked with God. They had fellowship with God. Then Satan threw that curveball and caught Eve looking. And then Adam took a bite. And he went down. And mankind has been striking out ever since. But God made a promise. So you messed up, Adam. But I have a plan. How many times have we messed up in our lives? Never, Al. Thank you for that inspiration. God has a plan, right? And no matter how terribly we mess up, our failure is not great enough to ruin God's plan. We are not that powerful. Right? Praise the Lord that my stupidity and my failure is not enough to knock out God's plan. Jesus came. However many 
thousands of years ago. He removed Satan's power and opened our eyes. He gave us his promise. And his promises are what I want to talk about today. What do his promises look like? And if you're taking notes, this is the four fruits of Christmas. So promise number one is hope. If you look at your Advent calendar, you can see they've got four themes throughout this season. Number one, hope. If you look in the dictionary, hope is a feeling of expectation and a desire for certain things to happen. So hope. We all have a measure of hope through our lives. Isaiah 9 verse 2 says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. Because of sin, our human condition was hopeless. Right? Separated from God with no hope of restoration except for one thing. The promise. God promised Adam that his descendants would not be lost forever. He would send someone to redeem mankind, to crush the head of the serpent and restore the relationship that had been lost. There was hope for an eventual savior, a redeemer to rescue the fallen world. Christmas was the fulfillment of that hope, of that promise. Because of Christmas, we also have Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And because of Christmas, that fateful day when the Messiah was crucified, carrying on himself the weight of the world's sin and with it the wrath of God. Because of Christmas, Resurrection Sunday that glorious day when Jesus arose from death and overcame the power of death, hell, and the grave. Because of Christmas, we have what I believe is our Father's favorite day, Pentecost. <coughs> Why do I say that? Because that's the day that he, the Holy Spirit was released into the earth. For years and years and years, God wanted to have fellowship with his people, but he couldn't because of sin. Now that Jesus had taken care of the sin, God could live with his people again. That was his heart all along, to have fellowship with us, to have a relationship with us, to be friends with us. Now we have hope not that we will one day be saved, but our hope is in his salvation manifested in our lives here on earth. Healing, deliverance, freedom and provision. And that we will reign with him forever. Right? Our hope is not just in the by and by. In the sweet by and by. I can't even sing that song this morning. It's gone. <laughs> It's not one day out there, my life will be better. It's here. It's now. That's the hope. 
Jesus came that we would have abundant life. Here, now, and in eternity to reign with Him. Number two is peace. Dictionary says peace is freedom from disturbance or tranquility. John 14, verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What is he talking about our surroundings, our circumstances? He's talking about our heart. See, you can have the calmest circumstances and your heart can be messed up. You can be in turmoil, even though everything looks to be okay. On the other hand, you can be going through the worst storm of your life and you have peace in your heart. And there's nothing that can replace that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, The peace of God that transcends all understanding. I can't figure out how it works or why it works. When I'm in the middle of the worst storm of my life, my heart is at rest. It's a quiet confidence that we have, knowing that God is with us, knowing that His Word is true and it's working. It's that quiet confidence, that peace that transcends understanding. It goes beyond mere tranquility and freedom from disturbance. God's peace is peace in our spirit. <clears throat> in every situation, we are safe in the care of the Father who will never leave us nor forsake us. The world says peace is the absence of trouble. As long as there's no storm, I'm at peace. God's peace carries you through the storm. I was reminded of the painting. There's a bird in a nest in a tree, just sitting there all calm, relaxed, and all around the storm is raging. It's peace. The storm may be blowing around us, but our spirit is undisturbed. And that's where we need to be. So confident in God that nothing moves us off of our peace. Number three, love. Dictionary says love is an intense feeling of deep affection. Well, there's some truth to that. That's only superficial. Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, that goes a little bit beyond feelings of affection. I love chocolate pie. I love that car. I love those shoes, Kelly. In fact, I love those shoes so much, I have a whole closet full. 
and I'm not even going to say that it's wrong, because Kelly's going to hate me later. <laughs> no, no, we just. Um, we use that word so flippantly, don't we? God says, I love you. And he gave to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read the first seven verses from the English Standard Version. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he says, this is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. For some reason, that doesn't sound like feelings of affection. I know feelings of affection that don't put up with a lot of the things that love puts up with. Right? Oh, I love my dog, unless he dirties the floor or chews up my favorite shoes. You know, feelings of affection are fleeting. <laughs> or a new dog. <laughs> Anyways, we won't go there. <laughs> feelings of affection are fleeting. They don't last. Love bears up. When you don't feel like I love you. When you don't feel like giving to somebody else. When you honestly want what's best for the next person. From your heart, not just lip service. Right? And you're willing to help them to that end. That is love. And you can love someone that you don't like. Right? I may not like you, but I love you, so I'm going to help you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be good to you, no matter what. No matter how you treat me, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to be good to you. That is love. Love is daring and bold. And it's what we need to look like. Number four, joy. According to the dictionary, joy is a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. Like you win the lottery, I have joy. No, you have happiness. There's a difference. Joy is happiness of heart. And it's not affected by circumstances. 
The world only knows joy as superficial emotion. True joy is happiness of spirit. Even in times of sorrow and disappointment. That's how you know the difference. You can be going through sorrow. You can be going through trouble. The difference is, if you have joy, you're not down in the mouth. That's the first sign. I may be going through some stuff, but God is with me and He's taking care of me. My heart is still happy. That's the difference. A happy heart comes from a relationship with our loving Heavenly Father. When I have the joy of the Lord, I can rejoice through every circumstance because I am not alone. Holy Spirit is with me always. He is my strength, my comfort, and my joy. And His promise is for me to come out victorious in all things. It's His promise. Joy is a promise of the Lord. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. When your heart is full of joy, there's no room for despair. Nehemiah 8 verse 10. He said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. Which day? Whatever day they were in. Whatever day we're in. Today's the day the Lord has made. Every day is holy to the Lord. And he goes on to say this. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can rejoice in that. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Though you may... Pardon me, though you have not seen him, 1 Peter 1 8, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's our goal. We have a saying that if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't take your goods. That's true. That's true. I don't know how or why, but it's true. I think it has to do with Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything in life is a reflection of the condition of your heart. What goes in is what comes out. What we treasure in our heart will be the motivating factor in everything we do and say. If we treasure hope, our words will be full of hope. If we treasure peace, then we will promote peace. If we treasure love, we will act lovingly towards others. If we treasure joy, our hearts will bubble over with an inexpressible happiness of spirit. 
When we guard our heart, Satan can't steal what's in it. Right? If he can't steal what's in our heart, he can't steal the rest of what's in our lives. Stuff happens, right? You get in a fender bender. Oh, well. Nobody got hurt. Praise the Lord. When we guard our heart, we guard our lives. So this Christmas season, let's guard our heart and let's keep these fruits vibrant in our lives. And let's expect God to move. These are promises. These are not just things that we expect from God. These are things God expects from us, right? So let's be expectant. What is God doing in the next season? Pastor Jerry has received a word for next year already. She shared it with some of us. I'm excited. I am excited. God is moving. He's not done yet. If God was done, none of us would be here. So let's get excited about what God is doing. Let's get excited and expect and anticipate. And let's show the fruit of Christmas. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this word this morning. I thank you that your spirit is moving, that you are not finished yet, but you are perfecting us in the image of Christ, and you are causing us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Father, help us to show your love. Help us to shine your light of hope to everyone that we meet, now at Christmas and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.